This podcast is sponsored by our partner, QXMD. QXMD builds mobile solutions that drive evidence-based medicine in clinical practice. Check out READ for access to research personalized for you. And CALCULATE for over 500 easy-to-use decision support tools. Try them today at qxmd.com slash apps. Again, that is qxmd.com slash apps. Welcome to the Critical Care Obstetrics Podcast Season 2. In this season, we're going to be focusing on cardiac disease in pregnancy. Throughout the season, we'll also be inserting what we call pop-up podcasts that'll have interviews and discussions on a quite a variety of topics. Today's our kickoff episode where we'll be discussing cardiac disease in general during pregnancy and be reflecting on our own experiences caring for pregnant women with cardiac disease. I'm Stephanie Martin, Medical Director of Clinical Concepts and Obstetrics. I'm Julie Arafe, Director of Simulation at Clinical Concepts and Obstetrics. And I'm Suzanne McMurtry-Baird, Nursing Director at Clinical Concepts and Obstetrics. So why are we introducing and talking about cardiac disease? So this series is really important because cardiac disease is the leading cause of maternal mortality in pregnancy. When combined, cardiovascular conditions are responsible for over a third of pregnancy-related deaths. So these conditions could be anything from cardiomyopathy to other cardiovascular conditions and strokes. And I remember when I first started talking and teaching about cardiac disease in pregnancy, that it was estimated that about 1% of all pregnant women had cardiac disease, whether you knew it at the time in pregnancy or not. Now, cardiovascular disease is on the rise, and it accounts for about 1% to 4% of all pregnancies. Uh, that patient will have a cardiac lesion or some other type of disease process going on affecting the cardiac cardiovascular system. So, whether you know it again at the time of pregnancy, labor, birth, or during the postpartum period, 1% to 4% of all patients. So often we think also about cardiac disease as only affecting outcomes during labor and birth. However, though, the data is very clear that during the postpartum period, mortality can be very high. In fact, if you, uh, as an example of data, cardiomyopathy is a leading cause of death uh, in week one to one year after delivery. So despite all of these publications that we're starting to see come out um, and the statements coming out on how to care for these patients, many of our uh, clinicians are still very, feel very uncomfortable and unprepared to care for these patients. So we want to talk about some of these basic concepts um, in this series. I think that's so true, Suzanne, because... Um, there are a lot of publications out there, and a lot of people talk about cardiac disease. It's in all the chapters, but there's a, I think there's a, an issue between talking about it and really being comfortable with it when that patient shows up on your unit. Even though we have uh, more and more women that have cardiovascular disease, and it is a leading cause of maternal mortality, it doesn't happen that often on your unit. And maybe when people arrive or the, the pregnant patient with cardiac disease arrives on your unit, you're not really prepared. So I, I think there's an issue between understanding what cardiac disease is all about. And I think there's a lot of room to, to learn about just understanding cardiac disease in pregnancy and preparing 
um, actually implementing a plan for cardiac disease and pregnancy. It, it seems like a lot of, of the concepts are, are very similar. What do you think, Stephanie? Well, I think, you know, when you were saying how it can feel rare on your unit and, you know, like, like you're not prepared, some of that's because we talk about cardiac disease in this big lump, like, like it encompasses so many different things. And there are literally dozens of different types of cardiac disease that these patients can have. And, and knowing how to take care of aortic stenosis, you know, is, is one thing, but then knowing how to take care of a patient with a VSD or a cardiomyopathy, myopathy, it can be a little bit intimidating about, oh my gosh, I have to know every single thing about every one of these conditions. Right. And, and I think you can prepare some of the basics. And if you have the basic knowledge down or the basic plan down, then you can begin to alter that plan to meet that specific woman's or that specific patient's disease and what they've been diagnosed with. Right. Because the reality is, fortunately, when it comes to managing these patients, no matter what the underlying problem is, all of these patients are going to have very similar complications. So you're going to be looking for the same thing on the overwhelming majority of the patients. And it really comes down to, you're going to hear this theme over and over during the uh, episodes of of this season, but it comes down to different arrhythmias and cardiogenic pulmonary edema. So whether you've got aortic stenosis or mitral stenosis or cardiomyopathy, we're, we're talking about the same kind of complications to, for a large degree. And because they have similar kind of complications, then you can start standardizing how you prepare and plan and ask similar questions for each patient. Like, how are they going to deliver? Can they push? Do they get an epidural? Do they need telemetry and labor? What kind of things are we looking for postpartum? And these are questions that should be asked of all patients. Now, if they've got a VSD, it might be real easy to answer these questions. If they've got aortic or mitral stenosis, it might be a little bit more complicated. But these are questions that need to be asked during their antepartum care and before they showed up in labor, not when they arrive on the labor and delivery unit. That's the last, that's the time you should already be have planned and prepared and hopefully simulated for what's going to be happening with this patient and not making it up on the spot as they, as they show up in labor. So over the course of this season, we're going to be um, talking a lot about specific lesions. um, And, but we're hoping that you're going to have um, a lot more tools at your, at your, uh, at your fingertips to be able to care for these patients, know what to look for, know when you need to escalate, where does she need to be taken care of? Does she need to be transferred to another facility? What kind of specialists need to be involved, et cetera. We're going to be going through all of that. And now it, you know, this podcast series was hugely informed by our own personal experiences in taking care of pregnant women with cardiac disease. Um, Suzanne, why don't you share your aortic stenosis story that that's so striking? Right. I, I remember taking care of this patient like it was yesterday. You know, you have those patients in your memory. And I remember this patient came in to our critical care OB unit. Uh, she was diagnosed with aortic stenosis. She was classified New York Heart Association Class 2 at the beginning of her pregnancy and as pregnancy progressed, she went to stage class three. So we brought her in, planned induction of labor with hemodynamic monitoring. Um, she labored, uh, went through labor, 
you know, fine. Got to the second stage of labor. So that's where a lot of our planning really came into play because we had anticipatory prep for delivery in the immediate postpartum period with this patient since she had aortic stenosis. We were really trying to prepare for that auto transfusion, extra 500 cc's back into the maternal circulation immediately postpartum. So we labored the patient down and she uh, ended up having forceps delivery. And I remember the physician being there and us being prepared immediately when the placenta delivered, her preload jumped way high and the patient immediately started complaining of shortness of breath. So we were prepared, uh, again, waiting in, in anticipation for that event, and we had Lasix at the bedside. So we, she required uh, several doses of Lasix because she went into cardiogenic pulmonary edema, and we stabilized her, watched her on uh, labor and delivery for 24 hours, and then she went out to the mother-baby unit. Uh, but it was a, a good success story, but it was I really felt prepared to take care of this patient because she was in our unit. We, um, and MFM was delivering her and we felt uh, prepared. Julie, do you, you have a similar story um, as well? Well, the story that comes to mind when I think about uh, patients that I've had in the past with cardiac disease is a patient that actually, um, as you said, Stephanie, a lot of these patients end up with either arrhythmia or pulmonary edema. This patient was a gravita 3 para 2 transported at about 30 weeks gestation with a diagnosis of pulmonary edema of unknown origin. And when she arrived on the unit, they had stabilized her, but she was still having a few contractions. Um, but she, she really... Uh, went into severe respiratory distress with terbutaline. Uh, they had given her terbutaline um, to try to stop her contractions. So when she arrived um, in the level four unit, they did an evaluation and found a previously undiagnosed mitral stenosis. And interestingly enough, when she talked about her previous pregnancies, she actually reported, yeah, you know, I get this cold and, you know, it's difficult for me to breathe, but I get it about the same time. It, it's starting to happen earlier and earlier, though. It happened really early with this pregnancy. So she delivered up in the intensive care unit. And uh, I, this was in the days before we had a, a designated OB intensive care unit. And after her birth, she had what we all assumed was just a normal postpartum hemorrhage. And we had a lot of people there. We had um, maternal fetal medicine. We had ICU intensivists. We had several clinical nurse specialists. And we started doing all the things we would typically do for postpartum hemorrhage. And she just decompensated. And it was so rapid. I will never forget how fast we lost blood pressure, we lost uh, pulse oximetry readings, just tanked. And before we can get blood up there, this was way before the days of massive transfusion, we lost her, she coded, and we were never able to get her back. And as we reviewed the case, we were all devastated. Um, as we reviewed the case, it, it was what we finally learned 
these women just don't tolerate the loss of oxygen carrying capacity. So in the future, I mean, subsequent pregnancies that came in and delivered, we were so ready to treat to treat postpartum hemorrhage. Um, so that was, I will never forget that patient. And I always tried when I talk about cardiac disease and pregnancy to talk about her so that when we lost her, it someone else maybe can remember that little tip and not lose their patient. Yeah. When I was a fellow, I'll, of course, I'll never forget this patient. She was the first real cardiac patient that I was involved with where I was you know, responsible for making decisions. And, um, and it was the first time I'd everybody and ever seen anybody with um, Eisenmenger syndrome. So this young woman, she was in her early 20s, it was her first baby. And she had had her initial prenatal care um, out of the country. And so she presented somewhere around 26 or 27 weeks to her OB who did not actually do the physical exam that he documented. And I know that because he documented that her heart was regular rate and rhythm and her lungs were clear. But in fact, this patient had a murmur that could be heard practically from across the room. And she had a known VSD. She was born with a VSD. She knew it, her family knew it, but apparently um, she said that there were a lot of kids in her family. I think she had multiple siblings that all had congenital cardiac defects of some sort and they had all been repaired, but not hers. So she made it to adulthood with this VSD. And as will happen, she developed pulmonary hypertension and then ultimately Eisenmenger syndrome. She came to me as a transport for respiratory failure uh, from another hospital, similar story. She was in pulmonary edema. They thought she wasn't at the time. And um, we did the full evaluation. It became very clear right off the bat. This was cardiac. Again, you could hear this murmur. It was so impressive. And um, we did an echo, confirmed her VSD, confirmed severe pulmonary hypertension. And she was about 28, 29 weeks at that point. And it, I'll never forget that helpless feeling of not knowing exactly what was wrong with the patient and not being able to fix it. And it, unfortunately, this was an entirely preventable situation. VSDs being closed can prevent pulmonary hypertension. Knowing that the patient has pulmonary hypertension, you can have conversations about whether or not she ought to be pregnant and prevent that because mortality rates go up. And unfortunately, this patient got delivered by cesarean section and she ended up dying postpartum day one from worsening pulmonary hypertension directly related to her cardiac disease. And I'll never forget it. I remember that it was just an unbelievably helpless feeling to know the problem and not be able to fix it. And I didn't ever want to be in that situation again. So I got passionate about learning about cardiac disease and pulmonary hypertension and all these other things. And that's led us to here. I mean, we all have a passion about taking care of these patients and preventing morbidity and preventing mortality. And you really only do that through preparation, planning, understanding as much as you can about that patient's condition and doing what you can to try and avoid complications. Not every complication and not every death can be prevented, but the good news is the majority of them can with proper recognition, preparation, and planning. So this series, we're going to be breaking down these specific lesions, like the ones we just talked about, aortic stenosis, mitral stenosis, Eisenmenger syndrome, we're going to be learning about those things um, over the course of this uh, cardiac series. We're going to talk a lot about normal and abnormal physiology and how it impacts cardiac disease, how to do a risk assessment, 
what labs to draw, how to interpret them, what diagnostic studies to do, when should you do an echo, when should you do a chest x-ray. We're also going to be chatting with experts in the field, folks who are um, cardiologists and MFMs, folks who have expertise in this, who have written the bulletins, worked with the American Heart Association, et cetera, and, uh, and really hopefully give you some practical tools to be able to, to translate what you hear from us to taking care of these patients actually at the bedside. So we're going to have a lot of information about cardiac disease, but for not all of us are, are going to want to hear about cardiac disease every single week. So we've devised something that we call a pop-up podcast. And the inspiration for our pop-up podcast come from your local mall, where we are always delighted to see what little pop-up store is there at the mall with something new and different. So that's what's that's what our pop-up podcasts are going to be. They're going to be um, other topics that OB clinicians are interested in, like fetal monitoring, mentoring, um, some talks about debriefing. Uh, we're going to have um, a, talks about with attorneys, just different topics that, that you might be interested in. So we hope that the combination of the real intense look at cardiac disease plus some other topics interspersed in will be of interest for you. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, you can learn more about our company at www.clinicalconceptsnob.com. We hope you tune in every week for a new download podcast and find us at your favorite locations for podcasts. We're very excited about the cardiac series and the pop-ups uh, podcast and we look forward uh, to bringing those to you throughout this series. For a list of references on today's topic, go to the Read app at qxmd.com apps. Thank you again for listening. This podcast and music was produced by Austin Baird. Are you looking to create a podcast? Please reach out to nashvillepodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is nashvillepodcast at gmail.com.